Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds, recording here on the first day of November as part of the Chairshot.com, as part of the Chairshot Radio Network. Very excited for you all to hear this week's episode as we continue the countdown to our one-year anniversary with The Villain Project. This week's uh, project, gosh brain fell apart already this we're in danger gentlemen we are in real danger here (laughs) everything's breaking down we're in week three of the villain project and this week we are covering our top 10 comic book villains of all time from the dc comic universe and that's what threw me off as i was looking ahead on the rundown to, to kind of give myself a a a preview and help myself with the script and Let's just say I was hasty 
in the copy and paste work from last week's to this week's and still add last week's topic up there. Also have like the villain project part 12 list. Like it's, it's just a hot mess on here, but I think we all know what we're talking about. I did at least put my, my top 10 list in there. So I keep saying, gentlemen, I guess I should bring them in. Let's talk to our two primary co-hosts for the, for the villain project, Mr. David Ungar, Mr. Ray Cash, how you doing, gentlemen? How we feeling? I know Ray's watching football, and he's a little down, Dave. He's a little down. Well, you know, when you actually root for a real team and they struggle, it's it's depressing. I wouldn't know what that's like. Patrick, you've got, you got you root for the best team in the NFC, so, I mean, you know. See, here's what I think is funny. Is I don't think – I think when you're a fan, it, do, it doesn't really matter because I root for, like, the worst team in the Big Ten. Right, I were root for the University yeah. of Illinois football team. They are tr- they were trash against the University of Wisconsin. They this past week lost to Purdue by a touchdown, where they were had twelve players out due to COVID nineteen related issues. So two players yeah. tested positive, ten held out for ten games due to the contact tracing protocol by the Big Ten. So you can't play for ten days. Period. So they're going to miss. This game in Minnesota. So most of the starting offense is out. They're playing their four-string quarterback as the third-string quarterback who started the game rolls an ankle in the first series. And just go back and look at my Twitter feed. Like, I hate tweet watching that game, but it's all about the misery and the pain of being a fan of a program that just isn't good, and it's just awful and miserable. And they're notorious for the fake rally. Y'all know the fake rally? where you're down three touchdowns like oh say illinois was yesterday and you mount this big comeback only to throw a sideline out route on fourth and ten inside your opponent's 20 for six yards and you just sort of throw up and and even then the game still had a shot because purdue just decided to be like we're purdue we're going to keep throwing the football so illinois had a shot at a three and out and the number one receiver, Mr. Tampa 2 himself, Lovey Smith, goes straight up man coverage, no safety help. When everybody in the freaking stadium knows that it's going to go to the number one receiver, you fucking run a bracket, have safety help on the backside so that David Bell doesn't make an over-the-shoulder over catch to ice the game. Fuck the Illinois fighting Illini. Anyway, everybody, you heard an extra voice in there, and that's because I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. That nice, nice Madden-worthy breakdown of what went wrong there. Everything went wrong. Fire Lovey Smith. I don't care if it's a pandemic and we can't hire anybody. The water boy would be a better coach right now. <laughs> and, Bring on Bobby Boucher. That's right. As I mentioned, you heard a third voice in there, a little bit of a chime in, a little Bobby Boucher, a little bit of pointing out how much I hate loving my football teams. That's the voice of Mr. PC Tunney. And the reason Mr. Tunney is here, welcome to the show, is because I broke my own promise, guys. Last week, what well, I said I wasn't going to do it. Said Mandalorian's going to premiere, but we're doing a project show, a list show, and those notoriously run long, so we can't we can't cover an episode at all. Then I then I actually watched the episode and was like, yeah, I mean, you you two saw it in the message, uh, the, the the chat. What did I do? What did I, what did I say? You were going to stir some shit. Well, he didn't trash it yet. That's coming, Ray. That's coming. 
<laughs> I said we had to talk about it because of the big reveal, and we're, we are going to talk about it. But then I got a message from Tony today. I was like, you going to talk about The Mandalorian? And I was like, yes, very briefly. I have opinions. Tony asked if he could join us for that part of the show. And so he is going to jump in on this conversation. So we are going to do a brief, brief overview and review of The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1, because, frankly, we just can't help ourselves here on the bandwagon. And then we'll go into the villain project, pick up where we've left off, and start talking some DC villains. To be fair, Sound good? it was a very popular topic of conversation in the nerd spectrum. The Mandalorian was all you heard about. Oh, yeah. And... and We'll get into it to, to the, my problems with it. But yes, so The Mandalorian returned. We're going to dive right in. Season 2, Episode 1, long-awaited episode. Mando has been given his charge to return the child to people of his own kind. Reminder, folks, if you haven't watched Episode 1 of Season 2 of The Mandalorian, skip a little bit here because we are not spoiler-free. And we are going to drop the big spoiler of spoilers as we go through this show. Let me, uh, uh, we'll, we'll do a quick once around, get people's opinion on the show. Let me just say this up front. I enjoyed 98% of the episode and strongly, dis- and, and strongly disliked 2%. Go ahead, guys. I, I yield Discuss. the floor to you guys. I enjoyed the entire episode. Um, I, I visited. I'm, you know, I'm, that's not the first time I've been told that. Um, I'm probably the least knowledgeable about all the star wars lore Mm -hmm. i've watched every episode i'm a fan of it but i can't tell you every person's name every name of every i I can't i'm just i can't you know i've watched them more for enjoyment than for the nerddom but uh yeah i enjoyed the episode i i really i remember i was late on the mandalorian i just started watching it a week ago right so i just watched season one last week to prepare for this um, so yeah, the Western vibes of it is really cool to me, but I, I, out of maybe my ignorance, I enjoyed it until talking with my boy, Pat, <laughs> it hit me what the final reveal was. And I, I should have known, but I, I missed it completely. I thought it was great. It was more of a, uh, I like how all their chapters are short stories almost, right? You could take them in and amongst themselves and kind of have a beginning and a middle and an end. I love Timothy Oliphant being there. What a what a great crossover! Like Deadwood, and then he's the marshal there in, <laughs> in the Mandalorian, right? And he looked like a fucking cowboy marshal too, didn't he? Have jeans on and like a flannel mm-hmm. and an extra right, belt, right, it, right it was, down to was, that accent. Yep, it was excellent. It was excellent, and and you know the way they told that story, I really loved it. You know, and then trying to take down the crate dragon, which was the the carcass that. Um, C-3PO walks by in A New Hope in the desert. That's a crate dragon. Um, and then, oddly enough, I think this was the, actually the first episode of the, season, of the series that John Favreau actually directed. I think, he, uh, I think he did the first episode of the first season, too. I thought that was... I think, yeah, I think he's done the first of both, both seasons. So but I, day, I enjoyed it, and uh, I don't know necessarily know that it's 100% that who you think was revealed at the end is who you think it is. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, there's a lot of evidence to back it up when we get there. I <laughs> that as right. well. Right. I mean, I, I love the episode. I thought <clears throat> one thing Mandalorian, well, Mandalorian does a lot of things well, but what I love about what it does is it takes a, a certain aspect of Star Wars lore 
And then, like Tony says, it wraps a short story around that. I mean, this was this was paying homage to to a new hope all the way. You've got the Sand People, you got the Jawas, you've got the Sand People calling the dragon, which is the same thing that like Obi Wan did to scare them away, you know, in 1977. So, and you actually got to see a crate dragon, which was really cool because you hear about these things, and like Tony saying, yeah, you see the carcass or the skeleton, but you don't really get to see it in action. And here, it's like, damn. And, and how about the acid instead of breathing fire this thing's like alien it breathes acid that was freaking awesome and then yeah at, at the end we can discuss the big the big five second reveal or whatever yeah, just it was. just just hold that hold that thought two. so you've all covered the 98 percent that i enjoy okay let me give you two more things let me give you two more things one thing that i love that dave brought up is seeing the crate dragon but like in action where it goes through the town and it almost turns the town into a town on water Whereas you could see the docks and the sand coming up to the dock and down. Like it was, it almost felt like it was, it made it into water. Right. And then the evolution of where the Mandalorian is right now, like how much more powerful he is compared to the beginning and like how he's grown too. like, he'll let the droids work on his ship and things like that. So there's really been a lot of growth in the, in the character there as well. I got a real Tremors vibe. The, uh, the yep. old movie Tremors yep. with the, with, when he's running through the desert with the, with the the Kray Dragon, that was beautiful. It, it's a Western in every sense of the word in the show. Like, the show itself is so great in that it really has taken space Western and made that its its thing, and it's really taken possession of it. And we were, we were short a couple of just classic Western tunes flowing through. Like, that standoff between Oliphant's character and, and Mando right when they first meet each other and they're doing the itchy trigger finger on the gun thing in the empty saloon. Like that's, that's beautiful stuff. And the overall message, you know, that Mando is able to bring together this community, these two communities that don't trust each other, don't want to work together because they've been raiding one another and and seeing their different point, but finding a way to, to get them to work together against a common foe was it's a classic trope but i thought it was pretty well done and great to see the mandalorian acting as the as the peacekeeper between the two uh mrs o'dowd even watched the show just because she wanted to see the child that's probably my if i if there was a if there was a, a nit to pick for me is that the episode itself didn't do a whole heck of a lot initially and maybe it comes to fruition later to, to kind of move forward the mission that Mando was left at left with at the end. Like he goes because he hears word of another Mandalorian in the, you know, in Tatooine and, and, but he doesn't really find one. He just finds the armor of let's just get it out of the way. Boba Fett, Boba Fett's armor shows up in the second that, that Oliphant shows up in that armor. I'm like, ah, nuts. We're bringing like, and it was the rumor of the show that that we were going to be bringing back Boba Fett in some way, shape, or form. Why is we, that so disappointing to you? Because he's the most overrated show, and it's a fan service decision that I don't is, think needs to be is, done. It's going to be like this your is, least favorite episode of Bandwagon Nerds ever. Because after you're done talking about this, you have to talk about DC. <laughs> I know this is this is actually really difficult for me, you guys. I I'll, I'm going to pull up what I said to Ray. Because, so here, funny thing. So I mentioned that we're going to talk about this on the show, right? And 
at the time when I'm like, hey, have you guys watched this yet? None of you, uh, Ray and I had seen it. Dave hadn't watched it yet. And so Ray starts asking questions. And honestly, while we're not spoiler free on the show, I didn't want to be not spoiler free for Dave. So I created a chat or I went back to an old chat that I had with Ray. Uh, I think for the first time I did three man weave and I just was like, okay, so did you watch the episode? And Ray was like, yeah, who was that? Uh, and so for folks, just to kind of freshen you up, uh, we go through this Mando shows up at this little town that uh, has been wiped out after the, the departure of the, of the empire. And then a mining uh, syndicate takes over Timothy Oliphant's character gets booted out of town and he comes across these Jawas who he earns this armor that used to belong to Boba Fett. It's clearly Boba Fett's. It's the iconic jetpack, the iconic look, the color, whole scheme. So they've somehow found it. Turns out that the Sarlacc that apparently consumed Boba Fett was then itself consumed by, oh, I don't know, a Kray Dragon. So... They have this armor, they give it to Oliphant, and he's used that armor to retake control of this little town and has become acting is acting marshal. The marshal. The marshal. So they go through all of this. They begin to or they work together to defeat this crate dragon. Uh, Mando demands the armor because it's not Oliphant's to keep. So he the, so he takes it from the marshal under the agreement. The marshal agrees to give it up uh, if he helps you know, liberate the town from the great village or the great dragon. So they do that. And as Mando is taking off to his next destination, you get an over the shoulder shot of a familiar figure from those of you who have watched the original trilogy. And I can't remember the guy, the actor's name. He's also plays uh, Aquaman's dad, but he was uh, Tiamu M- Morrison. Yeah. Tiamu Morrison, who was Django Fett in the original trilogy, the clone that all clone soldiers were created from in the um, prequel trilogy and had requested one clone be made to age normally, as opposed to the accelerated age clones who he named Boba. And that was Boba Fett. Boba Fett, as everybody knows, famously goes down the gullet of the Sarlacc um, creature in return of the Jedi and is presumed dead. We see a scarred and weather worn, what I would assume Boba Fett watching this flight take off knowing and again, assuming that he is carrying the knowledge that his armor is with the Mandalorian kind of hinting that there could be more in the future between these two. And I, I just, what I wrote to, to Ray and, and what I think is just where I stand on it. If I'm the East German bitter, bitter old man judge about it, then okay. I'm tired of fan service callbacks in Star Wars to drive a plot. I don't mind like, oh, look, here's this live action thing of a skeleton that we saw. Like, that's a creature that, you know, was no driving thing. And Boba Fett is the most overrated, most point like like you inject any bounty hunter into what Boba Fett did in the original trilogy and you get what Boba Fett did. Seriously. And now Dave's going to chime in with, well, if you read the books, I stand by my statement. You don't need, you shouldn't need to read the books. Fuck Boba Fett. He's a waste of time and I don't want him on this show. Well, before Dave goes, can, can the, can the novice in this conversation make, because I'm, I'm, I'm not understanding the, the issue because from my ignorant point of view, the show is, a, the show is called The Mandalorian. 
the show right. goes into the lore of the Mandalorians and their creed, right? Right. Is it the most famous in one of the first? It, like, aren't Jango and Boba Fett like not maybe not the original Mandalorians, but like the first ones we've ever seen? They're the, the first ones the, you see, yeah, in the armor and the look, and they also, if you look at kind of this Mandalorian clanish creed, aren't really doing Mandalorian shit. Sure, but they come from the Creed, right? And all the Mandalorians, while they had the same idea, did different things. Am I wrong? So we don't know. Wouldn't it? What we don't know. It wouldn't make sense that if, at the end of the season one, all all the the remaining Mandalorians that Mando that we know, except for the Armorer, took off their armor because basically they realized it was up, right? So wouldn't it, and he had to go find. He was told his quest is to go return the child to people of his ilk. Yep. The re- but he had to go find other Mandalorians to help him on his journey. So when it makes doesn't it just make sense that the the first ones would pop back up? Yeah, fuck. So that. <laughs> here's here's there's there's two things. It not it doesn't necessarily have to be Boba. It, it could doesn't. be it could be Cody or Rex. They've survived the Clone Wars. Right, those are two other popular clones. The problem is, is the Morrison's fifty nine, and I know that really doesn't matter because Boba Fett's supposedly like forty one right now. Okay, but you could say they are supposed to age faster so they could get to the blah 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 blah. But it could be anyone that was made out of that clone. But then again, you go back and you read and you see that uh, Lucas trademark uh, filed trademarks for Boba Fett for video games and toys and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So. Right. Mm-hmm. I think so, Tony makes a good. Go ahead, Dave. No, Tony makes a good point. It could be one of the uh, the clones that um, disabled their inhibitor chip before Order sixty six was was enacted. It could be. I doubt it. It seems more likely that it's it's Boba or or, which of course then kind of. I mean, I'm you know I'm okay with it. I understand you think Boba Fett's overrated. He's he's overrated. You know, and I I can't speak for you, Patrick, but I could see the argument that he's overrated because he doesn't do a whole lot, but yet he is so beloved by fans as the iconic bounty hunter in the entire Star Wars mythology. So maybe they want to tell a bigger story with him. You know, how he survived the Sarlacc pit. The armor allowed him because how long did it take to digest a thousand years or over something? a thousand years or right. something? Yeah, Isn't there a. Am I missing something? I thought they were supposed to be doing a movie, one of the Star Wars one-offs on this. Yeah, but they stopped. Well, they stopped doing Star Wars one-offs because uh, Solo was wrongfully blamed as being a failure. I like un- it. I did yeah, too. it was unfair. It was really unfairly maligned. Like as a film, like it just. I, I actually, honestly, I think Star Wars fatigue set in on that movie, and it just happened to be the victim of there being so many Star Wars movies putting out in such a way that just didn't feel. Right, and so because, Solo got and it's, for and it's it. difficult to sell people on somebody, not Harrison Ford being Solo, you know. And I sure. and there's a disconnect, but I mean, I know that this season the Mandalorian is is bringing in characters that the fans wanted to see. Boba Fett was one that they wanted to see. Ahsoka Tana is supposedly coming in. The fans desperately want to see her. Um, there, there is, there's, there's some stuff that happens, of course, between. Return of Jedi and Force Awakens, and that's where this time frame comes in. So, you know, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, it seems like it's Boba. Obviously, they got his armor somewhere, you know, from the stomach of a crate dragon or who the hell knows where. Um, I want to know, like, what did 
what did the Mandalorian pack up there at the end and put on the back of that speeder? Part of the dragon? Yeah, it like, like a chunk. Like, like, like a chunk of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then they found the uh, sand people found what a pearl, a, an a pearl. egg, a yeah. drag, dragon egg. The I'm pearl. guessing. No, great dragons have pearls inside of them. That's right. That's right. And crate dragon pearls are used to make lightsabers. That's right. I forgot about it. Good point, Tony. Nicely done. Look at, look at Tony bringing the nerd knowledge to the show today. The man. Impressive. So here, here's here's my thing is. And Should this I go get will, my tattooing shirt? You <laughs> should. Please do. So here, here's my question. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm asking this one honestly. Like this isn't me being sarcastic in terms of looking at the scope and time. And we talked about this when we were trying to determine the child and whether or not, you know, was it a reincarnation of Yoda or was it actually Yoda? And we came to the conclusion that it couldn't be because these creatures live for hundreds of years, and it's clear the child has been around for a bit. In the original, in the in the prequel trilogy, I keep calling it the original trilogy, and that's not right. But in the prequel trilogy, they make a point to talk about how every single clone that is created has accelerated growth, with the exception of Boba Fett, who is tasked with aging normally. And so Boba fits the timeline that that we're working within here. At, yeah, forty-one. Were there ever any other clones? that were put into that timeline because, or how does it work? Because even if they were fully grown adults and then the aging process slowed down as clones, you're looking at 60 to 70 year old men versus a 41 year old person who aged normally. Does that make sense? And so if there's another clone out there that you can sell me on, that might be that guy. That's why I don't buy commander Cody. That's why I don't buy, buy, characters in the Clone Wars, because they've already been aged up to a point. Boba started behind them in sort of the aging race, and so it just fits better and makes more sense. Plus, as you both said, or as you've all said, it's what the fans want to see. Well, and the trademarks. So, I mean, it's pretty much not right. a, non, a non-secret there. Unless, right. unless Boba cloned himself as well at some point. That's possible as well. Okay, so now now we're getting into like... Republican conservative conspiracy theorist territory. Well, if that went back, have you guys, not sure have you guys ever relation. seen? Have, have you guys ever seen Multiplicity with Michael Keaton? Yeah, there you go. Right. What did, could go wrong? Nothing. I mean, did Boba leave a laptop halfway across the galaxy simultaneously <laughs> while shipping it with fake information about? I sorry, I just can't do it. Didn't mean to get political. I will say this for the episode as a whole. Like, if you like, Dave. Dave was kind of running running me down a little bit in the chat, being like, he called it fine. Fine means that it's meh and blah blah. I enjoyed the episode. I hated the I hated the reveal. I hated the reveal and I hate that direction. I don't agree with the booking. And that happens all the time, right? Like sometimes we just don't like the booking. Doesn't mean it's particularly bad booking. It just means I don't like it. Is it gonna is it gonna taint my view? of the rest of the season well we'll have to see where the story goes if boba fett becomes a primary part of this season i might dislike this season intensely <laughs> or you could end up liking boba more and realizing that he's, a, he's a more layered character than you're giving him credit for perhaps who knows because we're because we're, 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 we're making we're making up layers on the back end I'm, i mean you've Why already not? made your mind up so yeah have i have i made my mind up i mean <sighs> I've told you you could go a couple ways. They could still convince me. They could. They could still convince me. Well, I mean, I just, I want to reserve Not like judgment. it's Rise of Skywalker. 
that's much better than that. I, I just want to reserve judgment and see, all right, where are they going with this thing? Because it seems a little too obvious that we're all, everybody's, oh, it's Boba Fett. You know, they might be trying to set you up for something, but it, it sure seems like his armor's there. Something happened to him. Because if- I mean, the, the other part of this, honest to God, guys, is it could just be a fan service wink and a nod of, oh, hey, look, he's still alive. What, you know, and that's just it. Like, that's just it. We just like, that's the last but, we see of him. But is he the Mandalorian that the, uh, the, uh, the Cyclops was talking about? I mean, he says there's a Mandalorian on Tatooine. He assumes that it's the Marshal because... Oh, and then he realizes oh, the he is like, well, this, yeah, the armor. But maybe there is a Mandalorian, and and would Boba qualify? Like Ray was saying at the very beginning of this, were they Mandalorians? I mean, they had the armor. I don't know if they if they did all the Mandalorian shit that led up to that. You know, all the 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 big fight between Mandalore and the Jedi, which predated the prequel trilogy by a thousand years. I don't know. I figure we're gonna get some backstory right. on that. Tony, you're right. It could be Tony. You you're 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 on fire today. So. Tony's the expert. <laughs> I'm sorry. I... <laughs> Where were we? The Packers are on as well. Oh, no, no, I that's see. all right. I see. You got a, you got a relatively easy task over there in Green Bay this week. So, are they, they, they giving you a fight over there in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry to hear that. Davo Cook is balling right now, so yes. Oh, that's okay. Want, want. I'm a fantasy football team. I'm glad he's back. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. I think, unfortunately, I have opened the Pandora's box, and we will definitely cover episode two next week. So much for promises. Sorry, Greg. The show's going to be long as usual. Dun, dun, dun. Greg will live. He's all right. With Greg him. will get over it. He I will. mean, you guys, you guys throw down the Greg DeMarco show in 55 minutes, so bandwagon nerds can compensate for that shortness there. I'm just so early Greg DeMarco lives. Right. <laughs> I say we completely go the other way and go like four and a half, five hours and we just can't. say if we're going to go big, go all the oh, way. God. We cannot have a return to the final video game project episode where we tried <laughs> to do 20 in one. And we were like, we can do it. And we can do it in two hours as usual. Six o'clock rolls around Eastern time. We started at two and I'm like. Guys, my I wife is texting me. Sofa. <laughs> my wife is texting me being like, are you fucking done yet? Uh, so we're not going to do that. What we are going to do is we're going to put a bow on season two, episode one. We will continue to cover episode by episode, just like every other nerd podcast in the world, because that's what we do. And we're going to kick right into the villain project, DC comics. The order has been shifted. It is now Patrick Ray and Dave. Oh, by the way, thank you to PC Tunney for jumping in and chatting with us about, about Mando season two, episode one. Uh, always a pleasure to have you, man. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. I, I'm just going to stick around and mute myself and, and listen to your discussion. And, you know, if Dave, uh, if Dave gets really happy, I'll, I'll know that we're doing well on the D.C. side. There you go. All <laughs> if, right. If you hear something really <laughs> egregious, jump in, Tony, please. Feel free to unmute yourself. Well done. Well done. But we are. We are heading into our final two, the big two of the Villain Project. We're doing D.C. this week. And then next week for our one-year Annie, we are doing a Marvel uh, I will admit my own. Funny how that worked out. Bias. I know. I, you know what? It's okay. You'll you'll be okay. You like Marvel too. I love Marvel. I know Absolutely. you're a DC Mark, but like, nah, I slightly fifty-one to forty-nine. We'll put it that way. Fifty-one to forty-nine. 
What about you, Ray? Ray, Ray, how are you feeling? How equipped do you feel for for the Marvel project next week for the Marvel villains? Oh, I'm 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 a much bigger Marvel fan in totality, but DC villains are by far the best villains in all comics. Yeah. Okay. Different. Anyway, different villains for sure. We'll just okay. Oh, okay. okay. Well, then next as, week's going to be as, interesting. As they say on Facebook fights, agree to disagree. <laughs> you know okay. when you fucking when you fucking lose the fight and you're just like agree to disagree because you know you yeah that's <laughs> usually how it goes anyway yeah so we're going to cover dc comic villains this is generally focused on the comic villains but i'm gonna i'm gonna disclose this is really this was the most second most difficult list for me to generate and it's because i never really read DC comics to the extent and the way that I read Marvel. I make no secret that Spider-Man was the character and the hero I identified with as a kid. That was the rogues gallery that I really bought into growing up. And those comics from there expanded out also at about the same time, Fox was putting out animated um, episodes of Marvel properties at a really high rate. And so there was a period of time where you had an X-Men cartoon, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, all of them were like laid out there. And so I really got into the comics and the rogues gallery that way. And with DC, you know, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to say that beyond Batman and Superman, that I'm as, I'm as knowledgeable. Now, Looking at my list, and I shared it with the two of you, I hope that you do see that I did get outside of the Batman and Superman realm. I think that everything I put on here wasn't unreasonable in terms of, like, choices. You You clearly did your research. But But it was tough, and some of that really is informed by popular culture entertainment, like what I saw on television or what I've seen in movies. So, and kind of going backwards from there. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So... Has did any of your criteria, gentlemen, change going into this week from what we've talked about previously? No, I don't. Not think particularly. So. No, I mean, I, you know, I probably gave Ozymandias more thought than I otherwise would have because he was excluded from the last one. But mm-hmm. uh, spoiler, he didn't make my list. I mean, he's a great villain, but when you're talking about the the pantheon of DC supervillains, my opinion, he's not in the top ten. But that's me, maybe. Maybe you guys have them on there. We will find out, won't we? Wait, Dave, you, didn't have... cheat, you didn't cheat and read my list? I did read your list. But I'm not giving <laughs> so away to the you... people whether he's on your list or not. Fair enough. I have 10 honorable honorable mentions. And I probably could have gone longer. <laughs> I could have gone longer, too. But I kept mine. Yeah. No honorable mentions for me because Patrick gets upset with me when I... Ray, when you told me that, I was like, Ray, what did I say when you said you had 10 honorable mentions? <laughs> Oh, okay, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I was like, okay, thanks, Dave. All right. So the order this week, as we do our rundown, we'll do 10 through 6 before we go to break. We come back from break. We'll do 5 to 1, and POD has a question. So DC Comics 10 through 6, the order this week is myself, then Ray, then Dave, which means congratulations, Ray, for the one-year anniversary. You get to kick us off in the Marvel Universe. Woo! I know. Boom. And then we'll keep that order as we come back. Without further ado, let's get into it with our top 10. My number 10 from the Batman universe, Mr. Edward Nigma himself, the Riddler. Seeing some nods. Here's here's the thing about why I love I love 
the comic book version of the Riddler, I I used to love the, the campy television uh, 1960s version of the Riddler. I love I just love the concept of having puzzles to work through where he's he's so confident in his ability to to win that he's going to give you clues on how to beat him because he doesn't think you're smart enough to do it. And that's just always been the the overall appeal to me for the Riddler. Classic member of the Batman rogues gallery, probably for a lot of people, number four or five. But just his approach and his tact was always my favorite. I was so angry at Jim Carrey for years because I hated the way he played the Riddler. That he played he that he played the Riddler in that Uber camp sort of way, and not in a funny magic. I also just hate Jim Carrey as a cartoon character caricature. Like Jim Carrey's work that I enjoy is always like not the the sort of the mask Ace Ventura of it. Jim Carrey, which is what I felt like he did in in Batman Forever. How do you feel about his Biden right now on Saturday Night Live? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm about the same. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he mean, try he tries hard. I, I I like the Riddler. He's probably um, a little underrated as far as Batman's villains go sure. because there's so many icon. I mean, my list is heavy with Batman. I'm sure Ray's is probably heavy with Batman characters as well. Um, I do love the cane. The cane with the question mark is like one of my favorite. Like and the bowler hat. Give me bowler right. hat Riddler any day of the week. But you raise a good point. He does these riddles that, by most standards, people aren't going to figure out. But he always seems to underestimate Batman's intelligence, and it always comes back to bite him in the ass. So, yeah, I mean, arrogance is 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 a trademark of the Riddler. Doesn't always work out for him. Um, yeah, I, I I like the pick. He's underrated, I think, as far as Batman villains go. But yeah, he's he's one of those iconic ones. You think when you think Batman, you think you know, Penguin, Joker, Riddler. You know, they're like the ones that you think of right off the top of your head. So good call. All right. Catwoman. All right, cool. Uh, the Riddler's the the Riddler's dope, but iconic doesn't mean that you're worthy of being top ten to me. But the Riddler is dope. I mean, again, these are our list. For me, he's my number two Batman villain. I only got two Batman villains on here. So why don't you, Mister Iconic and Dope and Top Ten Gatekeeper? Why don't you tell me what your number ten is then? Because it's your because it's your turn. Okay, I will. Thank you very much for the platform. I, for my number 10, have chosen uh, the most dangerous woman in all of DC Comics, and it's not who you think. My number 10 is Amanda Waller. That's, good? that's a good call, man. I, I mean, go ahead, Ray. She's your pick. Okay. I, I can't see everybody's screen, so I'm making sure no, nobody's, no vetoes. No, we good, right? No vetoes. No, you're good. Me. Okay. Nope. Um, even Batman himself has said Amanda Waller is one of the most dangerous people in the, in the world. Amanda Waller is, to the untrained eye, Justin, but Waller also controls almost everything that happens in the criminal underworld, especially with all of the people, all of the villains that she has at her disposal. If you look at all of the villains that's been in the history of the Suicide Squad, they are some of the most dangerous people in all in everybody's rogues gallery, Deadshot's the greatest shooter in the world. Harley Quinn, King Shark, uh, Killer Croc—just so many amazingly individually gifted talents—and they all serve at her behest because they know you don't mess with Amanda Waller. Bell Rev is the most dangerous prison, not 
necessarily uh, asylum, but prison wise in DC. She runs it like it's her own personal playground. Um, there and um, and the the interesting thing about Amanda Waller too is, she not there's not very many rogues or villains that Batman respects. Batman, she has Batman's respect. She knows and she's always known who he is, and and she Batman's had to work with her many a time because he knew he couldn't beat her. Amanda Waller is a, a true badass. I like the call, but I mean it's interesting that I. You know, I think of Amanda Waller as it's hard to say she's a villain because she's really, you know, she's kind of in charge of the Suicide Squad and doing what she thinks is is the right thing to do. Does that make her yeah, a villain? more anti-hero kind? Does of Does that sort make of, yeah. her a villain? Po- probably, yeah. Like you're saying, because she manipulates people and, and I mean, she implants explosive devices in all their fucking necks. So right. that's not exactly the nicest person out she, there. She's an she's an evil Nick Fury. She, kind of the way exa- I look at it, that, Patrick. I'm so and, glad and, you said that because that's what I was Nick thinking. Fury, and Nick Fury is is a is a sort of borderline good guy in his own right. Yeah, so, I was, yeah, was like, going to make the correlation. She is very much the Nick Fury of the DC universe, except a little bit more manipulative. You know, Nick does it in a more subtle way. Amanda's is, right in your face with that ridiculous. shit. Yeah, because Nick is manipulative, manipulative as all get out. Like, it's crazy that you could be like, but this person's worse than him. Right. She uh, is. No, I, she is. I got I got I got no qualms with, with your number 10, sir. Nicely done, Ray. Uh, my number 10, Patrick, Patrick kind of mentioned her just in passing, which is why I was silent on it. But my number 10 is Catwoman. And I, you know, it's uh She's and she talk about anti-hero as well. I mean, she's Batman's ally almost as much as she's his uh foil in a lot of circumstances. You know, she's they got married, right? Like in uh, one run. They never they never got they married. It broke close. up just, at the they, last minute. They, got they, they just got engaged. Okay. Right. They got close, but yeah, I mean oh, yeah. at the beginning <laughs> Tony. At the at the beginning of it all, you know, Catwoman is is one of the few Batman villains who could match him physically. She can match him mentally. She gains Batman's respect so much to the point that, yeah, they do fall in love with each other. And she becomes such a big, Selena Kyle becomes such a big part of the Batman universe. And you're never really sure, okay, where where does her loyalties truly lie? Although like in Hush, if you read that story. Selena Kyle. Well, sometimes, but like in Hush, she really shows her loyalty to Batman, you know, almost to her own Mm -hmm. demise in a few places. Uh, But she's... Mm -hmm. As far as like, you know, some of the villains later on the list, she she's not evil. She's not anything like that. She's got her own agenda. And it usually like she's like you said, she's usually out for Selena Kyle, but she's got the capacity for more. And Batman sees that in her. And that's what kind of in my mind brings her raises her to a different level as far as DC villains go. And that's why I've got her at number 10. I mean, she created one of the more popular Marvel knockoffs over in the Spider-Man universe with Black Cat. Like, yeah, Black Cat yeah. is a direct knockoff of Catwoman. Sure. Uh, Felicia Hardy. Like, straight, other than she's a cat burglar who gets her, whose abilities are superpowers that she had, like, when she puts on the mask. So, a little bit different. Catwoman is her own person. Right. But the relationship between Black Cat and Peter Parker is a shadowy mirror image of Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle. Right little bit of a twist because she only likes Spider-Man. Right. Like she does not care for Peter Parker True. at all. Right. Exactly. So, you know, there's, there's a Selena Kyle and Bruce relationship. That's much more 
deep, real, meaningful within those comic books. Anything, Ray? Ray's got nothing. Um, no, I love it. Great, it's a great, it's a great pick. It's a great pick. Catwoman is probably the most famous female villain in DC, if not in all comics. Um, yeah, she's fantastic. But again, much like you said, she's more of a hero to me. That's a kleptomaniac than so much a villain. But no, if um, if you put it on the list, I have no qualms with her being on this list. It's fantastic. She's she's she is almost as integral to Batman as his family is. It's like it's and it, yeah, going through the history of the of the Batman character, like yeah, there's Robin, there's the Robins, and there's Alfred, but you almost like a Catwoman, almost lock in step with those other characters. Yeah, I, so I, yeah, good good choice. I highly recommend anybody who wants to see the dynamics of the Batman Catwoman relationship read Hush because it's all you've read it right, Ray. It's, yes, sir. I mean, it's it is it is fantastic. The stuff going on and and her with uh, I don't know which Robin was it. Was it Tim Drake or which Robin was? I that? think it was Tim. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Tim. The that stuff between her and him trying to get the the trust between them. That's that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So um, number nine, I'm sticking in the Batman universe, and my number nine is Bane. I mean, Bane is just like look. He's he broke his back. You know, he's like the one guy who has taken on Batman and beat his ass physically. And that just doesn't happen. But Bane's backstory is even better because you get an idea of just where he came from. And and if there was a complaint I had with Dark Knight Rises was I, I like Tom Hardy's portrayal of it, but they didn't use the Venom aspect of things, which is so integral to who Bane is in the comics. It was completely, sure. completely absent. Now, at the complete opposite extreme is the bullshit they did in batman and robin which was this venom fueled fucking thing that was not bane didn't say a fucking word it was ridiculous it was it was a disgrace to the legacy of bane but they should have added the venom into dark knight rises but that being you know that notwithstanding i mean that's kind of what makes bane bane his his He's got the intellect. He's got the brawn. He's got to do that venom, what, like every 12 hours or something and and try and balance off tr- going insane from doing that. But he's so smart. He's He's got so much knowledge of everything. And he just knows how to push Batman in a way that other villains don't. And yeah, he's the only one who's really beaten him physically. And the, what he does in the whole Nightfall thing where he just kind of exhausts Batman because he Batman's so busy fighting everybody fucking else that by the time he gets to Bane, he's easy pickings. And I just love mm-hmm. what he did. And he's he's one of my favorite Batman villains of all time. So Bane's number nine for me. I am so happy. You made me so happy. I love Bane so much. I mean, I'm, we talked about that in the movie villains. Like, yeah. I love Bane so much. Uh, one thing real quick. Venom, what, he did have the Venom in Dark Knight Rises. It just wasn't kind of a super drug it was like a pain masker it masked his pain remember remember batman beat him up at the end took his mask off took the things off yeah Yeah, and and took the things and tally had to put it back yeah for him to kind of get back i guess it was there but it just wasn't prominent it wasn't prominent enough like it should have been yeah i would have liked to have seen them and to your point and i don't want to bloviate too much bane might have the coolest backstory of all of batman's villains Growing up in Santa Prisca, having to live, having to uh, live in the, grow up in the worst, uh, the worst kind of place you can grow up at, 
because your dad did something messed up and you got to live that down for him. He takes his he, like he kills for the first time at what eight years old? Something ridiculous I, like some, that. Something he had to something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. fantastic. Bang's amazing. I love that. I love that pick. I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you, Ray. All day, every week. I'm I, I'm with we, you. On the same page, right. my brother. Fine, fine choice by my book. Again, that rogues gallery is is deep. So, Ray, what's your number nine, brother? My number nine is I would venture to think is more of a Superman villain, but he's fought all of the Justice League members. Um, he's man, I guess more of a Justice League villain than a particular uh, superhero. But he's like the OG villain of Earth, and that's Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage is essentially was one of the cavemen and a meteorite hit the earth and he grabbed the meteorite and it gave him ageless kind of not powers, but it gave him the ability to not age and gave him a tremendous intellect. And I mean, if you go back and you look at what the comic says, he he was Genghis Khan. He might have been Hitler. He was like all these horrible people and all these times in earth. And, you know, and of course, much like Ra's al Ghul, he got his own kids that he's had that have gone and done things and followed his footsteps. But you cannot beat an ageless, super intellectual kind of, not even a dictator, but a genocidal maniac, right? He's killed everybody. He's beaten everybody. He's out-thought everybody. And when he fights the... uh, in fact, the Doom story was him, wasn't it? Uh, where they used where they used Batman's contingencies against the Justice League. That oh, was where, they, where they took Tower of Babel and adapted it to the animated thing. Tower of Babel is what I'm thinking of the of the comic story, but that was right. still Vandal, wasn't it? In in um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the worst the Justice League ever been taken to. Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage is probably one of the most underrated uh justice league villains out there because because he's not super powered and you know he's not as flashy as guys like luther or some of these smarter guys he i think he gets forgotten about but he's accomplished more literally than any other villain in all of dc in terms of the earth villains how can you not when you've been around since the beginning of time yeah exactly He's he's cool. Another another like you're saying, Ray, there's so many DC villains that are iconic that it's like, where do you where do you where do you, you know, draw the line? And I mean, he's one that a lot of people probably don't think about. But that's a great choice. He's a thank you, sir. He's a douche. Definitely. Yeah, very much. Uh, so. All right. All right. So my number nine, uh, I jump into a guy who's primarily combated with the Flash uh, myself and I go with Gorilla Grodd. No hands. What can you? What else can you say about a hyper intelligent, telepathic, telekinetic gorilla that is intent on taking over the world? Like, what else is there to to say? It's like Pogo from Umbrella he's Academy freaking gone awesome. bad. Well, is, you can thank Gorilla Grodd for Pogo. Yep, like that. That's how you look at it. Look, look at it like they, it's 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 so funny because the thing about DC that's always interesting this is true about comic books in in general. It's just the way. Uh, create like um, characters origin stories get retconned originally it was a meteorite that crash lands in, in africa that gives the him and his tribe of uh apes power or gorillas mm-hmm. powers and later it's an alien 
uh, an alien spaceship and, and, you know, is teaching them how to live peacefully within society until they're discovered. And then Gorilla kills the alien and is like, fuck it, I'm taking over this and I'm taking over the world. And that that is the bonkers level of character that we can get in a comic book story is just awesome and appeals to me. And so that was that was my number nine was Gorilla Grodd. And I know he's gained some traction in like the Flash TV show. He's been a part of there as well. And so, you know, great, great character. I want again, one of the top of the Flash rogues gallery, maybe not the first one that people think of or even the second or third. But for my money, he was my number two. So for for the record, the Flash rogues gallery is really deep and underrated for the record. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. There were, there were a couple of others that I almost put on here that I didn't. Yeah, I like Gorilla Grodd's a cool character. That's uh, that uh, one you don't normally think about because he's he's usually seeming to, to be like subservient to one of the other villains in some bigger plot that's going on. You know, he's kind of there. Right. like a foot soldier. So I think he gets kind of lost in the uh, in the shadows a little bit. But standing on his own. Yeah, I mean, super powered, super intelligent, kind of, you know, <laughs> bent on world domination gorilla. As it's every gorilla should be, damn it. That's right. If King Kong Hell, could talk. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll jump right into my number eight then. Uh, this time I shifted over to the Green Lantern universe and went with Parallax. Okay. See? Nods. Oh, Tony, Tony in his mutedness giving me a sec- it's It's just this the entity of fear. And again, I have another Green Lantern character. Uh, later I'm pretty sure on, we all have that other Green one. So, yeah. Green Lantern villain later on. But when DC was kind of looking to shake things up and, and they wanted to replace Hal Jordan for a little bit with with Kyle Rayner, uh, feelings about Kyle, Kyle Rayner notwithstanding, there there was this entity that became sort of the yellow light. It was the the it embodied the yellow light of fear. And in this whole story, it possesses Hal Jordan and turns Hal evil. And it's this big, really, really big deal. And he's come back and possessed various folks over time. He's never like its own entity. And if your reflection of Parallax is based on the horrible Ryan Reynolds movie, I would encourage you to go back and check out, particularly like the reboot, when you look at like Blackest Night the Sinestro Corps was, was part of all that, like the War of the Green Lanterns. He's a big part of the New 52. He's in all of those. Green Lantern Rebirth. So he's he's just, I don't know, he's always just been that great counterfoil that embodies fear, much the same way that a later villain that we will all talk about does as well. And and I always liked that, that Hal Jordan goes bad story, not because he's really bad, but because a, a force outside of him that is the opposite of everything he stands for takes him over other than jessica cruz whose very existence is about fear right i don't, I th- I don't think any other other lanterns lanterns have to deal with fear as much as hell so mm-hmm. it was just why he was a perfect guy for that yeah parallax is cool man i would i wouldn't even think of a parallax and, clearly and yeah that's okay Right. I wasn't thinking about him because he's so in, intertwined with the other character we're going to talk about later on. So that's kind of why I didn't Same. I didn't separate the two, but they are definitely in, in a lot of places, separate entities for sure. But yeah, good call on. Don't base it on that stupid movie. That's just. Oh, God, fuck. no. 
That's like basing Galactus on the Fantastic Four movie. Galactus is a big fucking cloud. No, he's not. I'm sure we'll talk Speaking about him next week. Speaking of Galactus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next week, folks. Galactus, probably, maybe. You never know. Let's move. All right, Ray, uh, what's your number eight, brother? Number eight is uh, he's become the Seminole Teen Titans villain, but he's fought everybody. <laughs> Deathstroke, Deathstroke the Terminator. Oh, got to right. stop. It's higher on mine. Dave, yeah. on to your number eight, brother. Uh, my number eight is higher on yours, Patrick, and it's Black Adam. So we will table okay, that. Okay, so we'll pause that one. Uh, my number seven and going. Higher on mine. Okay. Black Adam. Black Adam's higher on Ray's too. Uh, my number Next. my number seven going back to the Batman gallery of supervillains is uh, Ra's al Ghul. I had his honorable mention. Okay, great choice, great choice. Uh, you know, Ra's is is kind of like Vandal Savage and has been around a long time, not as long as Vandal Savage, but you know, Ra's al Ghul is is <laughs> in some ways he's kind of like Thanos, where he wants the world to be a perfect place, or at least in his eyes, a perfect place. But his way of going about it is like, fuck it, we just got to eliminate all humanity. And, you know, that's 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 his solution is eliminate all humanity. I thought he was portrayed very well by Liam Neeson in Batman Begins. And you kind of get an idea of what Ra's al Ghul is all about. But they only scratched the very, very tip of the surface with uh, with, you know, who he was and what makes him so great. He's got so much knowledge of just about any martial arts that you can want. He's got all the intelligence in the world. He knows about technology. He's got access to the Lazarus pits, which are able to make him have long life, super strength, all this other stuff at the cost of bringing him right up to the edge of insanity. But he always seems to be able to counter that. And then the Lazarus pits are used for lots of stuff like the, the Red Hood, you know, where Jason Todd gets brought back through a Lazarus pit. That's all Ra's al Ghul. Him and, and, and the relationship with him and Batman is so fantastic because they have nothing but the utmost respect for each other, even though they are bound and determined to eliminate each other. So much so, and, and you wedge the whole thing where Ra's al Ghul's daughter Talia is with Batman to the point that they have a kid together, Damian Wayne. So Ra's al Ghul's uh, grandson is related to his arch enemy. It's all fantastic. He's one of the great Batman villains. I just absolutely love Ra's al Ghul and everything he brings to the table. Um, so, yeah, he's number seven for me. I'm muted. I'm sorry. You're muted. Ray's frozen. Tony's silent. Oh, we, we've lost Ray. Somebody message Ray. Can we text Ray? I'm back. Can you hear me? Oh, we can, I hear, can you. hear you. Oh, yeah. There there he is. Is. Oh, here we go. Sorry. There he is. I'm All right. Uh, Ray Cash, party of one. Ray Cash, party of one. There it goes. What happened to Ray Cash? How can we podcast at a time like this? People are missing. So, Dave, when we left off, you were you were finishing up Raz Agul. We were moving to Ray's number seven. So, Ray, what do you got for us for number seven, brother? Ray's Agul was perfect, by the way. Love that pick. Thank you, Ray. Um, yeah, Ray's Agul was the man. My num- I can't talk about my number seven because he's higher on your list, too. It's Black Adam, number seven. Excellent. So that means we move to me, and I'm going to go – I'm at least proud of myself that for my bottom five, I did a different character villain throughout all this, and I went to Wonder Woman for my number for my number seven, and I went with Cheetah, who we will see in 2027 on television somewhere someday. Yeah. 
right? Like allegedly, am I am I cool to go? Am I cool to go forward with, with Cheetah? Actually, by the way, this is, I think the first first list that we put together. By the way, where um, we had like more than one woman on the list. Go us. Go us. Inclusion, yeah. baby, inclusion, baby, baby, inclusion. So here we go. There's been four different versions, but most people probably either know Priscilla Rich or Barbara Ann Minerva. Those seem to be the two big ones. She's she's the she's the kind of the the ultimate foil to Wonder Woman, right? Like she's just always she's the nemesis. Like you know, Superman has Lex Luthor, Batman has the Joker, Wonder Woman has Cheetah who is this character who is in com- you know with comparable powers you know if you get past wonder woman's early beginnings when it was a low key bondage animal fetish thing you you start to get into uh, a character who like I, I i remember for the first time again from the super friends if that fair fairly or unfairly uh, but she's the nemesis and just kind of kept growing in powers and was a big part of the new 52 was a big part of the, you know, the DC rebirth things, uh, uh, events that all took place. And you can just always count on her being, she's always going to be a thorn in wonder woman's side. Yeah. She's, I mean, wonder woman doesn't have a, a, not like the other ones. You don't see the depth in the rogues gallery of too many wonder woman right. villains, but Cheetah's the one who stands out as far right. as, you know, as much as you can stand toe to toe with Wonder Woman, which is a a lofty goal to be sure, uh, Cheetah does a pretty good job of it. Well, and a, and a lot like a lot of other characters, she 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 understands her limitations to a point um, in taking on these sorts of characters, which is why you can never keep her down. Cheetah Cheetah reminds me a lot of a Marvel villain because she's almost like the inverse, right? Very popular, you know I mean? yeah. If to to quote Samuel L. Jackson in Unbreakable, like the the top villain is oftentimes the opposite of of the hero. So that's my number seven. All right, so we've all dropped him at number six. Is is mine? Black Adam again coming to you in theaters in twenty twenty seven. Hashtag twenty twenty seven. We'll see The Rock portray this character, but Shazam, fun loving exciting Billy Batson Shazam his nemesis and ultimate foil is if Shazam went wrong and you get Black Adam yeah because Black Adam is Shazam gone wrong that's right that's his backstory Shazam gone wrong why should I use this power for the betterment of others right and then when he actually comes back many years later I mean the the guy is so powerful I mean you're talking Superman level power with Mm-hmm. without the weakness and he can match superman because his powers are based in magic which is one of superman's weaknesses the guy what did he single-handedly like start world war three at one point i mean he basically he took, took down the justice society of america took down the doom patrol took down the titans it had to be captain marvel or not captain marvel well yeah captain marvel but shazam that's and, the real name i know marvel. it is shazam yeah. and zatanna had to combine to neutralize him to the point that they could actually do something with him. That's a tremendously powerful character. Yeah. Matched up against the uh, Marvel family and is way more than a match for them. And probably too much on some occasions. I always, 
you know, I, I, I mean, the Dr. Savannah thing with Shazam was fine. I really thought Black Adam should have been the first villain. That would have made more sense. It could have really put that movie on an entirely different uh, level. But yeah, I mean, I love the, the Black Adam pick. I think as that movie gets closer to being released in seven years, that uh, more yep. and more people will start to learn and want to study the lore of Black Adam and realize just what a badass character he really is. I mean, that movie's going to give us Hawkman, so I'm down. Yes. That's right. He is. He did just get casted. Um, I was fine with Savannah in the Shazam movie because they want to do. So there's there's two Adams you can talk about. There's the Adam who just hates Captain Marvel and Billy Batson in particular because the old man Shazam gave him his power. And then there's the Black Adam who's almost like a tragic antihero who just wants to protect his people at Kendar. And that's kind of what Rock is playing in the movies, which is why they didn't want him to be the initial villain for Shazam. They want him to kind of be his own character. And then when they fight, you pick who you back up. If we're just talking about Black Adam, the kind of the the rogue to um, Shazam, then yeah, it, it, it probably would have been a better movie. But I think what they're trying to do is going to end up cooler in the long run. But in the as far as a character, one of the most truly layered villains you'll find is almost akin to a Magneto in the sense that he's really passionate about protecting his people. But the second you start messing with his people, he'll bring the wrath of everything on you. It's almost unbeatable. Like, um, there's been many, many stories where, like, it's been almost every hero around, including Superman. They still couldn't get, put a handle on my guy. Yeah, Black Adam is a beast. Excellent. Well, we're back to you on your number six, then. My number six is probably, like... He, he's so disrespected because of the movie. Uh-oh. Number, number six is Doomsday. Uh, I got no... Well, on my honorable mention, Ray, that's... Yeah, you, and ignore the bullshit in the movie. Just fuck the movie. The movie it's almost as if it. Zack Snyder ruins things. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. (laughs) He did there. There's no disputing that. I don't have as many qualms as many people do about the 
portrayal of Doomsday, but there's a lot about it that just didn't make didn't work for me. However, the actual character Doomsday, like the unbeatable, unkillable, continually growing and ever learning, ever change. He's in Dominus Rex from the new uh, from the new um, Jurassic World movies. Like if like he couldn't be by anybody. Uh, he's the reason Superman was killed or put in stasis, whatever you want to call it, whatnot. Doomsday goes from world to world to world to world and killing everybody. You know, I, I, I'd venture to think Doomsday probably would have been a part of the reason why Krypton was destroyed. That was not the very reason. They killed that that planet, but he went everywhere going to kill all Kryptonians. Like, yeah, I, I, I think Doomsday is an insatiable killing machine that can't be killed and that if it is killed for whatever reason or put in stasis as Kryptonians are, learns and adapts. Yeah, have you? He's, he's like a predator on. He's like a predator on steroids. The backstory for Doomsday. I mean, most people stopped with the death of Superman, and that's really as far as I got. But that death of Superman story arc goes on for five collected volumes, and it's the last one, the Superman Doomsday collected volume, where they give Doomsday's real backstory, and you learn what they killed him like a thousand times, over and over and over, and then he adapted to the point that they couldn't kill him anymore. And then he couldn't be killed. And then he got off whatever planet he was on and just destroyed. And, and, and Superman even learns and evolves and understands and realizes how he can beat Doomsday. But it's he's so bad that what that one character who travels through time, who's not supposed to get involved in anything, gets involved because it's going to be that bad. Uh, he's just. But yeah, that death of Superman story that those those that last volume, the full page panels of the fight between Superman and Doomsday, where you can I mean, you feel each blow that they're raining down on each other. He's um, yeah, the 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 fucking what Zach did with him. And see, I know, Ray, you don't have a big problem with it. I got a huge problem with it because it's like they use General Zod. To, that's what I had about it. That's yeah, what I had about that it. That makes no sense because that's not that's, that's not like, his origin at all. So yeah. Zack Snyder ruined a movie. Yes. A character. A character. A by, character, yes. By, by the way, for what it's worth, Patrick O'Dowd rips on Zack Snyder. Drink. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. Drinking yeah. game. We're, I'm, we're just... I'm, I've, already ri- I've already ripped on Rise of Skywalker. Drink. Yeah. But I, oh, I love you talking around Johnny's alley, by the way. Yeah, I absolutely love the Doomsday pick, Ray, because that's uh, that was one on my short list, and I'm like, nice call. Uh, gotta like, gotta gotta pick those children to leave behind. Dave, what's your number six before we roll into our commercial break? My number six is also from the Superman universe, and the smartest of any of the villains on this list, and it's Brainiac. I oh, almost Ray's, had Brainiac. Ray's, on Ray's there. got him higher. Oh, Ray's gonna put us on hold, so. We'll uh, we'll be covering that in our top five because it's in Ray's top five. And just like that, we are going to be going into our commercial break. Good first set of five. You guys clearly are the the nerds on this one. I am so a bandwagoner. I I, reminds me during the break, I need to jump on Wikipedia and bring up the next two characters I have listed so that I can at least pretend like, no, just kidding. (laughs) 
Well, one of them, okay, one one of them will be discussed in, in detail pretty soon, so don't worry about him. Right, right. So so we're going to be heading to break. Before we go into our recorded commercials, this is my time to remind you to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and check out our store. There are all kinds of great shirts there for you to pick up and buy, including a Bandwagon Nerd shirt. A uh, shirt for a winner is you. Any number of ChairShot.com shirts. There is... A hashtag, te- a hashtag save tag team wrestling, queen of soft style, Miranda Morales shirts, and many, many more. If you like what we're doing here, if you like the content we're putting out on chairshot.com, please take some time and buy a shirt. You can get that shirt in your standard t-shirt style, or if you're feeling fancy, spend a little bit more and get it soft style, the preferred style of the queen of soft style, Miranda Morales. When we come back, our numbers five through one, Top 10 DC villains of all time. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, and we are back diving into our five through one. I got to tell you, fellas, I'm going to jinx this right here, right now, but we actually made pretty good time considering we did a show review. So to be where we are. Uh, way to go, Pat. Now, now we're in danger because I fucked it all, all right, up. Great. I got a top 50 DC villains list for you. Are Sweet. You ready? Sit down and shut up. I will mute you, sir. You hey. muted yourself. Thank I, God. I just want to say there's only there's only a couple days left to get those Platt Balazs 2020 t-shirts. Uh, oh, their, new, their, new slow, their new platform is Don't Be Dumb Again. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, Dave, you get to be dumb and pimp some Jackson. No, I'm just kidding. Tell <laughs> us your number five. Well, actually... This uh, this character at number five does have some tie-ins to what Zach was doing, sort of. Maybe. Well, actually, it's more Joss's shit than Zach's. Uh, Ray also mentioned not. him earlier. It's Deathstroke is number five on my list. Uh, right. The ultimate mercenary. I mean, this, this guy. It's like it's like Deadpool is usually considered the ultimate mercenary, the merc, merc with a mouth, that sort of thing. Uh, Deathstroke, on the other hand, just really is all about himself. You know, he's all in it for himself. He's he's got powers, you know, he's taken some sort of serum like they all seem to do. So he's got powers, but he's really all about himself and he's just well versed in just about everything, you know, Krav Maga, whatever discipline you want to do. He's there and he's just a handful for everybody, especially the Titans. The Teen Titans have a real issue with Deathstroke. But on the other hand, Deathstroke becomes a member of the Teen Titans for a brief period of time. He's got kids you know, his kids have got issues. One of them turns into what Ravager or some shit like that. I don't remember. Rose. Huh? Yeah. What's that? Right? Rose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's got like three kids. They all like his enemies use him to kidnap one of them. I mean, he's just he's the ultimate mercenary. You know, you saw him at the post credit scene for Justice League. And I can only hope beyond all hope that we get something involving Deathstroke later on with uh, something that they're going to do with the DC universe. Cause he's such a multi-layered character with a lot of depth and, and just, yeah, he's a, an asshole to the 
utmost extreme, but he does it in a way that's very entertaining. I think he won't be as funny as Deadpool, but I think he's got charisma like Deadpool does that would transfer over to the film well. Uh, I forget who was playing him at the end of um, Joe Manziel. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll do an excellent job as Deathstroke if he's given the chance. Uh, One of my favorite characters, just, you know, not as powered as some of the other ones on the list, but every bit as dangerous as any of the villains on this list. So I got Deathstroke at number five. Word on the street is that Zack Snyder is planning to ruin Deathstroke by including him in his Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League movie. So there you go. Come on, man. Does anybody think Zack Snyder's Justice League is still going to be just four parts? Because with all these people they're adding, I think it's going to eight at this point. I mean, I I don't know. You've got James Gunn with like 50 members of the Suicide Squad playing. Yeah, I definitely do think it's going to be four parts, but that's four hours. Imagine Uh, all the stuff we put in six. six? Tony says six. No, I think it's going to be four because I, I think he's smart to realize that all the shit he had to do to get this, he don't 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 mess it up. Don't mess up the money. Okay. What's your thoughts By on Deathstroke, Ray? Um so you talked about all his accolades, you know, military, Maven, um, adept with mm-hmm. any weapon, literally, uh, almost to a bullseye level, you can make anything a weapon. You didn't talk about how much of a piece of shit he is. The reason the team the reason the Teen Titans hate him so much is because of the terror story. And yeah. if you know what he's done in that story, how he manipulated, abused, and practically raped and and like sexually abused his poor little girl to convince her to mess with the Titans just to get them because he hated the Titans, he is an absolutely horrible, despicable human that would do whatever he needs to do to get what he wants. And your corollary with him and Deathstroke and Death. And Deadpool is beautiful because one, they straight up use Deathstroke to make Deadpool. Number one. Yeah. But number but number two, and more importantly, while Deadpool is essentially an anti-hero who does what he wants, but it still has some good, that Deathstroke is up for whatever it he'll take any amount of money, he'll take anything you can give him just to, to fulfill his goal. He is he has completely no coof. He has no problems doing anything. He'll kill anybody. He'll do anything. He, Deathstroke the Terminator is a perfect name for him because he is one of the most deadly people in a world full of so many mercenaries. We just talked about Ray Sal Ghul and the League of Assassins, Vandal Savage's family. He's probably the most dangerous merc in all of DC. Yeah, arguably in all of comics. I mean... Him and him yeah. and Deadpool would be a hell of a throwdown. So, but by the way, if you we've talked about this before, when it comes to like Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, will Arnett's take on Deathstroke in the Teen Titans Go movie and in the and the subsequent show is is hilarious in that they do everything Bruce. to kind of keep. Was it? I'll do it, Bruce. Oh, oh yeah. I'm yeah. oh, sorry. I, I totally misunderstood what you were doing there, man. Uh, and it is just kind of this funny take on this asshole character, and yet in a way that still makes sense to to the character itself. So, my two cents on Deathstroke, as we then hand it over to Ray to go into his number five. So, my number five is probably, I believe it's higher on yours, but it's Sinestro. It's my number five as well, but higher on Dave's. 
So we'll skip the two of us and we'll go to my number four. And now I guess we'll see if there's if there's more shuffling to take place. My number four is reverse flash. I mean, I the dude have them on my list. Get the fuck out of town. The dude literally created the Flashpoint story arc that Dave loves so much and doesn't have it on there. How the hell do you not have reverse flash? Literally the antithesis of Barry Allen. You guys are a fuck you both. How (laughs) this is the one I thought I had the two of you on board, ready to go. This is so good. He is he is the antithesis of Barry Allen. You talk about the lowest of the low in terms of scum and out for himself. Like that is all he's about. He uses the speed force in just terrible, terrible ways. All about himself and and making himself like i i just can't believe that mr flashpoint david ungar doesn't have reverse flash in this in on, on his list like that ray, like ray says there are so many dc villains it is hard to just look at the list and it's like yeah i would bump him in there maybe okay maybe i could bump catwoman and put reverse flash in there or something but sure ah but you're, you're I, over, everything you're, you're saying i agree is a shame sir <laughs> You're not saying anything that's wrong. That's for sure. Look at all Ray's honorable mention. <laughs> Tony has a word to, to contribute. Eobard Thon is one of the greatest villains in DC history, period, point blank, end of story. You think about how much Lex Luthor means to Batman. Well, if you want to legitimize the Flash, Thon is the whole antithesis of that entire story. And thanks for having me, guys. I'm really enjoying yeah. listening to you. Now, shut up because then you can't. You can't. Nope, nope. Lex Luthor doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Batman, but thanks for the uh, input there, Tony. <laughs> you, meant, you meant Superman. Sorry. I meant, yes, Superman. I'm drinking. <laughs> Aren't we all? Uh, well, fine. I'm really disappointed, you guys. Like, I guess do do for, your number four, Ray. It's your, like, it's your I, list, I mean, Pat. Clearly, no. it's your list. No, no, man. No, it's cool. For the I record, had, I, think both, I think both me and Dave, and I feel comfortable speaking for you, bro, think he's one of, as Tony said, one of the greatest DC villains ever. Mm. Absolutely. It's just, we had to pick Tim. Yeah, and, and I mean, he is one of the greatest villains. I, I don't even know if I'd call him my favorite Flash villain, but he's definitely up there. But, but Captain but, Cold? Captain, Captain Cold is, is man, underrated bro. as Whatever. fuck, man. He's so underrated, Patrick. Zoom and Savitar, and then shout out to Mark Hamill as the trickster. Yes, absolutely. You you want to, you want to take a deep dive in his Flash Rose galleries, Mirror Master? Yeah, yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! Wasn't he, right. he was in Flashpoint Paradox as well, right? I mean, Reverse so, Flash had Mirror Master doing all sorts of shit. Yeah. Where do every, you think we get King Shard and, and Gorilla Grodd from? Yeah, exactly. I mean, every, everything shark. everything Pat said about Reverse Flash is one hundred percent accurate. He is responsible for one of the most iconic stories ever with Flashpoint Paradox. It is. It's just like, yeah, which kid do you leave behind? And he got he got left at the pool. All right. Well, well, let's hear what let's hear what kid Ray took home from the pool for his number four. And and by the way, how petty is it to go back in time just to kill somebody? Hell yeah, it's petty. That's, that's what, what makes it great, though. <laughs> that's that's so petty. <laughs> My number four is Brainiac. OK, we good. We're good. I mean, yeah, it's fine. It's no, it's no reverse flash, but it, you know, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. So we finally have a Zack Snyder for him, and a Rise of Skywalker for Patton now. Yeah. Um, so you know, um, we're all wrestling people. 
you remember Bray Wyatt used to call himself the Eater of Worlds? That's actually Brainiac. Now, now, which Brainiac are you referring to? Because there's multiple numbers. I, and I, I'm not trying to be a jerk about this. I don't know. I don't know the numbers, it's not bro. Brainiac, like, it's not Brainiac 5, because he's more of a hero with the Legion of Superheroes in the future. This is, when you think Brainiac, I mean, you think of, well, I mean, yeah, Pat's right. There have been multiple variations of, of Brainiac. It's not the Brainiac 5 variety, though. There's, go ahead, Ray. Enough. I'm just busting your balls, Ray. I'm sorry. I just I needed to. They're officially busted. I didn't. I, you talking about numbers and shit. I don't pay attention to that. <laughs> yes, um, there, there are multiple Brainiacs. But Brainiac out here, like, kill, destroying worlds and turn them and put them in the snow globes and stuff and putting them on his mantle. Like, my man is vicious. And um, he, he he is a living embodiment of intelligence and you you said it i don't remember which one said it forgive me but whoever said brandon at first said he truly is a, i think it was dave right yeah yeah it was dave. by far the smartest person in all of the dc universe and all of the multiverse and whatnot there's nobody close um he is the seminal probably dc uh probably um justice league villain I don't think they've struggled with anybody, maybe more than they have a Brainiac. Um, and yeah, you 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 see Brainiac, like odds are your world is done. So just like give it up. Twelfth level intellect is what they say he's got, Ray. Twelfth level intellect. That's that's pretty far the fuck out. One thing we didn't mention about Deathstroke, I just dawned on me that he's been manipulated to use ninety percent of his brain. So he's got tremendous cognitive mm-hmm. abilities. We forgot that aspect of him. But yeah, when I'm talking Brainiac, 12th level intellect, um, the ability to transfer his consciousness from entity to entity, whether they're organic or seemingly inorganic, he's like the, the only villain that Supergirl actually fears. Superman, not so much. Supergirl actually fears Brainiac. Uh, Superman has found a way ways to deal with him, but can't ever really beat him because he's like, it's like trying to grab smoke, you know? think you've got him he just evaporates and goes somewhere else unbelievably intelligent yeah the eater of worlds candor i mean that whole thing with the kryptonian city uh, you talk about doomsday maybe had something to do with krypton's demise brainiac probably had a lot to do with krypton's demise as well he's uh one scary ass character you know every bit the equal the match for superman in a different way than like luther or somebody else is because I mean, yeah, Brainiac is just uh, one of those characters that you just look at and say, yeah, Superman's got his hands full with him. Yeah, I got I got nothing really to add other than busting Ray's hump other than over that, which, other than which Brainiac. Re- other than it's not reverse which flash. But, right, and but, it's not reverse flash. Is, but is, the, is, is that amenable to you, sir? I, he's, he, was one, he was one I considered on my top ten as well. Thank uh, you, sir. See, Pat had honorable mentions. He's just not going to tell us, Ray. That's all. No, I actually don't have a list of honorable mentions at all. Like I had a couple that I toyed with, but at the end of the day, went with went with what I love. Hey, if if I keep it real with y'all, my t- my my honorable mentions top ten might be a good top ten. It's crazy, probably. Yeah. So it's my number Swear four. I think it is. So you guys have mentioned him earlier. Number four for me is Sinestro, and uh, <laughs> the the major villain of Hal Jordan and the Green Lanterns. He, you know, and Sinestro's story is fantastic because he starts off okay. He starts off as a Green Lantern, but... Green Lantern. Huh? 
is the Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then he goes wrong because his idea of what to do with the power ring is kind of a totalitarian society with him in charge. And and that doesn't go so well. And the Green Lanterns kind of banish him to uh, where like some like kind of comparable to the Phantom Zone. I don't I don't remember what it was called. Right. But he's brought back through uh, not like the anti Guardians, you know, who hate the Guardians and everything about them. And so they use the idea of of fear and fashioning a gold power ring around it. Now, this, of course, ties back into one of the dumbest weaknesses in all of comics, which is the Green Lantern's inability to deal with the color yellow, which makes no sense. No sense at all, but that is the way it is. Well, it's a very old, tropey superhero thing. Like, when you look at original superhero lore, and this is the other thing, is Sinestro is the ultimate opposite of the hero, right? He is. Like, he is... The dev- and the one good thing, by the way, that the Green Lantern movie gave us was Mark Strong as Sinestro. Agreed. Because yeah. he he was awesome. And I didn't mind Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern. I'll be honest no, no, with no, you no, guys. no, no. I mean, it wasn't his it, fault. It was, it was some of the script writing that happened within there where he makes Hot Wheels to, to protect people. Stuff yes. like that. That was just dumb. Yeah, um, and Parallax being... Uh, whatever, whatever it was, whatever it's like was. A, it's 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 the Galactus equivalent in the Fantastic Four right. movie. It's like what the fuck is that? Right. Um, but no, it, it's silly because the whole like perfect opposite weakness can get silly for various characters, and I think that's one of the things I like about a lot of Marvel characters is a lot of Marvel characters don't have that issue. Like they don't have like this one thing that beats them. There's just other beings that are as that are comparable in power scope that can combat them. You mean like the Justice Society's Green Lantern, whose weakness is wood? You know something right. stupid like, like what that. What the hell is that? Yes, exactly. What's is he a, f- a vampire? Yeah. Why? Why? Wood. <laughs> of all things, fucking wood. Really? This is uh, give, give me. A, that's that's, that's Alan Scott. Alan Scott. Alan Scott's weakness can't, is wood. Can't get on boats. Yeah. Can't. <laughs> But I think the don't thing climb of, the don't climb the treehouse. That's right. I think the thing about Sinestro, like you were talking Parallax earlier, Parallax was was imbued in the power ring that Sinestro had for a while, and it was right. his presence that boosted that ring to the point that he could defeat Hal Jordan and a lot of the Guardians. And then, yeah, everything that Sinestro does, just you know, the the embodiment of fear, using fear for maximum effectiveness, and just the ultimate Green Lantern villain and uh yeah i mean i i love sinestro and he's, he's number four on my list sorry reverse flash but sinestro got it over you if we're honest, <laughs> he's upset giving me the finger l- let's be honest with ourselves for just a second if you take away the how interesting the characters are sinestro guy gardner hal and um john stewart guy gardner is interesting I, I love Guy Gardner so much because he's such a dick. He is a dick. Okay. He's such a piece of I keep dick. waiting for I, Superman just to beat the fuck out of him, and it doesn't happen. <laughs> he wants to, but he knows he needs him. But if, if you take away the Simon Baz and um, mm-hmm. Jessica Cruz, if you take away like how interesting they are as characters, the whole idea of the Green Lantern Corps is dumb as hell. I mean, it's an intergalactic space police force. Not that. That's cool. The idea oh. that they're powered by this one ring that oh, is yeah. by a feeling, right? And now all with all the color schemes and all the rings that we have now, like 
it makes it cooler because I think the characters are cool. But I so the idea of what powers it is inherently like not the smartest thing, but it's been written so well. So when you think about a guy like Sinestro, and we're, you know, and I know the color yellow and all that, but Sinestro makes it work right. because of his backstory, because of well, who he was, and he was trying to almost Thanos like rule the world because he wanted to give it some order. Well, I think that I think that gives I think that's what I mean. Comic books and uh, comic book villains and even comic book heroes they're kind of ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Like at the end of the day, it's all kind of ridiculous. So there has to be more to it. And, you know, when and you'll hear me talk about comic books as a mythology all the time. The uh, the other end of it is they're they're compelling and it's the the characters behind them that make them compelling. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, any one of these characters that we've talked about, and I think through all three of the lists that we've done so far, they've been compelling like they're they're human interest stories as much as they are villains and there is a there is an ability to connect to them as entities not just as foils to the heroes so you're 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 spot on on that like it's you sit there and you're like this kind of silly this kind of dumb but yet i get this guy and so it works for me works for me so where works all right is it whose turn is it there we go drink I think it's mine. I go to number three, right? So right, you're double up. Here's the thing. I'm going out on a very short ledge here and imagining our top threes are probably very similar to each other. In fact, I know for a fact they land. Yeah, exactly where they land. Um, My number three is identical to Patrick's. I don't know if it's identical to Ray, but it's dark side is my number three. Same. Same? I'm pretty sure I want you to exactly the same. Are you one? Are you one and two uh, Joker and Luther one and two? They Who's are number one. They are, but so we don't it's it's different. It well, might be a different order. So, but I for, mean, since we're since we're just doing this, my my one, two, and three are Luther, Joker, Dark Side. Right, miners. Joker. Yeah, mine's Joker, Luther, Dark Side as well. So all right, so we'll we'll cover we'll cover them however we want. I mean, if you yeah, want, right. if you want, we could just talk about. I mean, start with Dark Side. Uh, you know, yeah, let's let's start with darks since here's what we'll do. We'll go by majority rules. Since the two of you had Joker as your number one, we'll do the Joker last and we'll do Luther next. Okay. Deal. Sound good. So we'll do dark side first. Yeah. I mean, dark side is, I mean, Ray mentioned Brainiac being the biggest pain in the ass for the justice league. I would say no, I would yeah, say, right. I would say dark side is probably a bigger pain in the ass for the justice league in some ways, a more recent pain in the ass for sure. Um, when I look at dark side, yeah, Thanos is the first thing that pops into my mind. Sure, when you when you come here, but you know there is no redeeming quality about Darkseid. Thanos is doing what he's doing because he thinks it's the only way to basically bring the universe into balance. Darkseid is all about subjugating everybody to his will. Every living, breathing organism needs to bend the knee, so to so speak. So that's why I have a different comp in Marvel, and for me, it's Apocalypse. From the X Men franchise, true, because Apocalypse is all about subjugation to his will, period. True, and he, he, I don't think he ever says this in the comics, but one of my favorite quotes of his out of the uh, Marvel animated series is when people try to like fight him, he he just starts with "I'm as far beyond mutants as as mutants are beyond humans," and. 
just he is the alpha the omega and that is that and you will hear about apocalypse next week on next week's show there's a but dark side dark side is absolutely in my opinion the and i think that apocalypse again was modeled after dark side i think dark side came first yeah but he yeah yeah. what's that that also was modeled after dark side directly Uh, yeah i mean they look similar they have the similar look they have similar kind of ideals to a certain extent yeah but uh but dark no i'm just saying dark side as far as you know he's relatively unkillable even the few times he's been killed he's been resurrected and his his whole kind of thing is and tony tony can agree with this because they don't ever mention dark side in crisis on infinite earths but his whole thing is tied into that with the whole anti anti-life equation Tony's pissed off Mm -hmm. about the packers his search for the anti-life equation and his dealings with the anti-monitor and whatever they do in the new 52 is is some great stuff the anti-monitor actually kills him with a lot of help but he actually kills him but yeah dark side could have been on the list huh anti-monitor could have been on the list yeah he was in my honorable mention but uh you know, the Omega beams and just the way that the Omega Omega beams can wipe you from existence or bring you back from non-existence. So, yeah. And they go everywhere. They just track you. Uh, Dark side <laughs> is just an evil bastard. I mean, Superman can't really handle him. Nobody can really handle him except doomsday beat the shit out of him in one, in one of those comics, which was fun. But uh, yeah, he's just, he's so iconic that when the re- one of the main reasons justice league failed so miserably was because you wanted Dark Side and you got shitty Steppenwolf instead, and people never got over that. And there, there, there were a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. There were a lot of reasons why that movie failed. But that was a and big overriding issue, I thought, for a lot of DC that was, fans. That was, was that this is not what I want from a Justice League movie? Which is so funny when you consider not to when you talk about the different cinematic universes. Is it like Marvel didn't lead with the Avengers going up against Thanos, right? Uh, but, but again, was, it was all. What's that? Then it was in the movie, though. At yeah, the, as an after credit screen yeah. tag. What? But what I'm saying is, is that Marvel, and this is again, we've talked about the failings of DC. Marvel built something to where you bought into Loki as the big bad against um, against the Avengers, and in the DC movie, you're like, who the fuck is Steppenwolf? Like, who is this guy? Who the fuck is right. Dark? Well, like, they, there was just nothing to but that. But you raise a good point. That they didn't, they were going against Thanos and Avengers. They just didn't know it yet. And right. And like in Justice League, and the thing is that in Avengers, Loki was able to carry that movie. Steppenwolf couldn't, you know? And that's, right. I think, part of the reason it all falls apart is like, well, we need a bigger, bigger bad than this douche over here. Well, we need a, we need a big bad that you've heard of. Yeah. Or that you what? cared about. Like most people had no fucking idea who the hell Steppenwolf was. That's like this and, band from the 70s. And that's right. And that's neither here nor there to the actual, you know, the conversation we're having. We're dark side. Like I would these these top three are kind of one A, one B, one C when you really look at them in the DC universe. And I think we'll have a similar conversation when we make our way into Marvel. But because Darkseid could easily be number one, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, easily, with just his sheer power and force of will. Would, would the movie have been better if it was Granny Goodness and the Furies? Instead the movie, of... The movie would have been better if they had had... The movie would have been better if 
Warner Brothers had stuck their nose out of the whole process and not fast tracked a movie that was made in such a way that didn't yeah. build to anything. Yeah. And they did. They just did it all backwards. And that's so bizarre to me. And they're still trying to recover from that. So yeah, they tried to do right. the new 52 story, but it just but the problem but you is the old 52. Well, I mean, the new 52 story, they just as came together to combat dark side. And if right. you don't have that in the movie, then really they're kind of combined to fight Steppen fucking wolf. Nobody bought yeah. that. Anybody who read yeah. DC or the new 52 wasn't going to buy into that shit. I didn't. Exactly. My, so my my positive and my negative of of Dark Side are almost the same, in that Dark Side is very much content to be a ruler, and he has the Furies and Granny Goodness. He has Steppenwolf and all of his children and his family. He has the um uh, the Parademons to do mm-hmm. all kind of his bidding. And so while that is a positive in that he so badass, he got all these other badass people underneath him. He's also quite content just sitting and subjugating, whereas the other people that we've mentioned and the two people that we've mentioned ahead of him and even someone like Brainiac are continuously always trying more and more and more to do more. And he's comfortable just chilling at a, chilling on a, a pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I, I rule the world. So I rule everything. Yeah. All right. So let's let's talk about my number one. Your guys is number two. Lex Luthor. And I went I went back and forth between whether I wanted to be him and the Joker. And I'm not going to lie. Part of me was certain that the two of you were going to pick the Joker number one. And so a little of this is me being obtuse and not wanting a unanimous number one. You so I will own that now. right away. But I will share that at the end of the day, we, this really comes down to what brand of villain you like when it comes to a foil and a supervillain. And for Lex Luthor, for me, and you'll see this in my number one next week too, we always talk about guys who pull the strings. We talk about guys that... You you want to talk about a guy who has no right to go toe-to-toe with Superman and fucking does it over and over and over and over again, whether without powers, whether finding a way to get powers and be superpowered, whether it's being president of the United States, whether it's being the mayor of Metropolis, whether it's running his corporations, he's a genius to the nth degree. He is a criminal mastermind, and he does it most of the time without anything special about him other than his fucking brain. And he can take on Superman. He can take on the Justice League. He has often, often on been head of the Legion of Doom. He has been that guy and to me it just it just because like he is the he is he's the controlled villain like he's not the anarchist that the joker is and that's what i love about them there's something beautiful in my opinion like i play dungeons and dragons we've talked about this and we talked about alignment lex luther is is in my mind what you would call the definition of lawful evil in that he is all about working within the laws and the parameters of the world around him to his own evil gains and manipulating that and manipulating people and love Lex Luthor because of it. And so he's, that's why he was my number one over the Joker. He and the Joker are very, <laughs> they're polar opposites of each other and everything. Right. That they, if you've read any of the stuff where the Joker and Lex Luthor are working together, it doesn't 
it starts off okay, but then that personality conflict and their their ultimate Every time. ultimate goal, which is Joker's anarchy, Luther's not like you're saying, you know, you know, lawful evil or or, or whatever you the new uh, alignment you want to give him. Yeah, I mean, Lex uses his intelligence. He 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 has he shouldn't have any business standing up to Superman, but he does time and time again. Whether he's developed a super suit that's kind of you know imbued with kryptonite. Or he's just I love that suit, by the way. Yeah, that that suit is is something else. Or he's he's using the system to get to the point like president of the United States. And he turn he makes Superman an enemy of the state. And just he's got lots of money. He's got ambition. He wants to rid the world of Superman, not so much for the sake of evil, but because he actually in a lot of places thinks Superman is a threat to humanity, which ironically enough was Bruce Wayne's whole reason for going after Superman and BVS, even though Lex Luthor was there as well, which is something else that didn't make any fucking sense about what they're doing. Yeah, it's a Zack Snyder movie, but it was a dumb fucking move. So there you go, Patrick. I'll drink to myself on that one. But Real quick, one of my all-time favorite comic covers is the one with Lex Luthor standing in front of the flag with the pose, looking up into the sky with yeah. the hands on the hips. Yeah. Such a great cover. He um tie Lex, flapping in the wind. Lex has even been the hero. Like when they did Forever Evil uh, a few years back, mm-hmm. where the all the heroes were gone. Lex was the only thing left standing against the crime syndicate, and had to be the reluctantly had to be the hero, and he did it. He saved the world. So Lex is just multi layered and can do anything he wants, and and is he's 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 a different kind of evil. You know that's that's the only thing I can put on it. He's he's not what you would think of when you think of evil like the Joker. Lex is evil in his own way. He's he's out to he wants to get rid of Superman. That and the the origin of their dispute, you know, there's like like Brainiac's got a bunch of different versions. There's like a bunch of different versions of why Lex Luthor hates Superman. But I did like like he wants to be the one to bring Superman down. Like when Doomsday kills Superman, it affected Lex greatly and he was yep. he was upset you know, I think part of him was upset that Superman was dead, but the bigger part of him was upset because he didn't kill him. He wasn't the one who did it. So he was jealous. There was jealousy of this creature. And uh, yeah, I love Lex Luthor. He's number two on my list. Just a fantastic, multi-layered, enigmatic villain. You, you talk about how Lex is a different kind of evil. Lex is everyday evil. Mm-hmm. Lex is corporational evil. Lex is... Um, Vaughn. Ma- What'd you say? Vought. Vought? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very much so. Nor- Norman Osborn. Shh, that's next week. There's a lot of similarities um, between the two. Shh, that's next week. I, okay. I think I think the thing that I've always respected about Lex the most, and you've talked about everything I want to talk about, especially his dynamic with Superman, but um, what I think the thing that's always been the most interesting facet about Lex to me is that every major villain that's not of earth comes to respect Lex because his intellect is so far and away ahead of everybody else on earth that they're all like, like dark side has, has pardoned him because it's like, you're smart. I have some, I have a very small amount of respect for you. You know, like, so that says a lot for a non-powered. He's not a soup. He's not, he has no, he's not powered at all. He's just a guy who's smart, got some money. And uh, for like other dimensional deep beings to be like, all right, you all right with me. That's, that's that says a lot. So 
before yeah, we before we move to the Joker, I mean, just the depth of Lex's kind of quasi obsession with Superman. Doesn't he mm-hmm. end up doing like a clone of Superman that he raises as his son, Connor Kent? Or Superboy yeah. is his clone. Yeah, I Superboy mean, is his son. You know, you got something like that. The stuff he created, Bizarro. Bizarro Superman was created by Lex Luthor, you know? To, Metallo is that? Yeah, exactly. So Boba, yeah, yeah all, the, all these people are made by him. All the little schemes yeah. and everything he does to try and take down Superman, ultimately failing more often than not. But it's 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 a great dynamic. Is Project Cadmus is a thing in the comics, right? Yeah, Cadmus. that's a Lex. That's Lex. Yeah, it is. Yep. It, like just anything with science, he yeah, absolutely. Patrick, can I steal sixty seconds before you go to, to Joker? Sure, steal sixty seconds. All right. If you want to watch series where there's great villains and DC villains, Smallville from a while ago, and obviously The Flash right now. There's tons of DC villains. They're all excellent. For me, uh, Poison Ivy, Annie Monitor, uh, Penguin, um, just great villains. Uh, Ragdoll in the new Flash series is awesome. Um, and then I would have Dark Side 4. I got Thawne three, I got Luther two, and Joker one. So you guys have been doing a great job. It's been great to sit here and listen in with you guys, and thanks for letting me. Thawne number Thawne three. three, way to three. go, Tony. Oh. You missed, made Patrick's day. Thank you. I'm a I'm, I'm you. a flash mark, man. You guys all do you that. Are. I know that's you are. true. That's true. All right, so let's talk about the Joker. So, where do, Where do you want to begin? <laughs> that's a, well, and that's, 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 that's on its own right. Yeah, it could be. It is. And that's the thing is much like Lex Luthor being, which fascinates me because, you know, the last thing I'll say about Lex Luthor, he's kind of Batman, but evil, like truly evil. Like when you talk about money and manipulation and power and and the ability to use and abuse things and gadgets, all that. The Joker is just the perfect foil for the Batman because he fits in that dark world of Gotham City and that dark narrative that they run with with Batman since his inception. He is, he is chaos incarnate. He does it. He, he's evil for the sake of just being evil sometimes. Like he wants he wants the he wants terror to reign for no other reason than he thinks it's fun. And you know, like people dig that. Yeah, like that's where I'll start. I mean, the whole thing that we did, some men just want to watch the world burn. That's Right. That one line describes the Joker perfectly because he's he's all about chaos. There there is he like Heath Ledger put it perfectly. I don't have a plan. I'm a dog chasing cars, you know. He doesn't really have plans other than to create anarchy, to unlevel the playing field, to create unrest. And yes, he's obsessed with Batman. But the stuff that I mean and the Joker just the levels of depravity that he goes to to try and get to Batman, whether it's killing Jason Todd, whether it's shooting Barbara Gordon in the stomach, whether it's executing a bunch of innocent people for no reason other than to draw Batman out so he can try and take him out. And and the best thing about the Joker, he does not give a shit about the consequences to himself. If he And he's always trying to get Batman to break that golden rule of his, even at his own expense. Because if the Joker dies by Batman's hand, he wins. And that's what he's all about. And, and and you can't, I thought Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of Joker was done, whether he was the Joker or not, 
I mean, I thought his portrayal was done really well because it's all about just the chaos of, of what's going on in that mind of his. But yeah, the Joker does stuff that um, that is just chaos for the sake of chaos, anarchy. And how do you beat somebody like that when they don't give a shit about the consequences to themselves? As long as they get their message and their point across, how do you beat somebody like that? You can't. So yeah, Joker's been number one for me for as long as I can, as long as I can tell. But I, I yield to you guys. There's a reason Joker is the Pentomit most popular villain in the business. And I mm-hmm. think it's because th- there's nobody else like him. We've, if you think about this, the list that all three of us have created, we all can name a comp for just about everybody. We had a comp for Luther, we had a comp for Brainiac, we had a comp for Darkseid, we got a comp for Thawne, we got a comp, comp for everybody. There's no other Joker because everybody else has a point and a purpose and a reason and they're here because of this or they're doing this because of that. Like, what the reason, the only reason Joker killed Jason Tao was because Jason Tao was in front of him. Literally. Jason Tao. And the fans voted for him to die, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oops. So I'm gonna say. Right? Right. <laughs> um the the way he's abused, the way he's abused uh Harley for decades, you know? Right. Um the the way he has shooting Barbara was grotesque. But what he did to to Gordon afterwards is like even more horrible. You know, like and just because, just to, because he wants to laugh, because he wants to break somebody, because he just feels like doing it. Um, and I think throughout all of that, there's a there's a funny Twitter account uh, that basically like makes fun of superheroes and how stupid this stuff is in like reality, in like in totality. One of them was like, uh, Batman can't be the best superhero in the world when for like. 50 years in Gotham, he's had a dude in wingtips and makeup, like, kicking his ass. Like, like think about it. Like, there's no right. powers. He's he's not a great hand-to-hand fighter. He doesn't really, he doesn't really engrave with guns, but he has beaten or got away from every hero in that world. He pushes everyone to their absolute limits. Yep. Like, at the end of the day, and and, and that and that makes him more dangerous than, than just about anybody out there. Yeah. Like you said, he pushes people to their limits, but he does it. He pushes them to the limits mentally and emotionally, never physically, very rarely physically. Right. I should say that like that. When we reviewed dark Knight uh, returns for the nerd review, that two parts, the stuff with the Joker in part two, which was, I think Patrick, you said the only part that Connor had a little bit of an issue with, uh, but right. where he, at the very end of it all, where he realizes that after everything he's done, older 50-year-old Batman is still not going to kill him. He breaks his own neck to make it look like Batman did that. So that even in death, he still kind of wins a little bit. That is the level of, of just sheer insanity that doesn't exist anywhere else in, in comics. And, and that's why he's so iconic. Uh, that's, that's after being catatonic for so long. Supposedly catatonic, right. yeah, yeah, allegedly. Let, let me tell you, I, and this is a much newer story because you know the Injustice Games breeded a whole different, a new comic book series, right? But right. the the backstory behind the game and and that comic story is is classic Joker. He sprays this, um, he sprays this um, 
some type of mist on a pregnant Lois Lane to convince Superman is doomsday. And Superman brutally kills Lois and his unborn child. There. And Joker did it just to get a laugh. And that's what turns Superman crazy and, and ter- makes him go go evil. That's Joker in a nutshell. Superman kills Joker. So Joker wins because he turns Superman into. Yeah. You think Homelander is bad? Uh-uh. <laughs> no way. You look at Superman right. and Injustice. That's how bad it can get. Yep. Very true. Very true. Well, fellas, that's going to bring this week's edition of the Villain Project to an end. I can see we got Ray Cash sweating a football game. We got Tony sweating a football game. We'll we'll all this will all be old news by the time the the bandwagon nerds drops tomorrow. We didn't do a nerd review this week. That was my fault, by the way, noble listener, as I mistakenly was like, oh, yeah, A Quiet Place is free to stream on Amazon Prime. And it's not anymore. You now have to, like, buy it or rent it. And I don't like to spend money on this. And I don't like to make the guys that do the show and do the review. Even though, Dave, I love you, you don't have to buy everything we put on the nerd review. Like, I, it's okay. It's cheap, man. It's cheap. Actually, A Quiet Place was on yesterday. <laughs> it was on TV. Oh, no shit. It was. Ah. Oh, of course it was. Uh, did you watch Cabin in the Woods? I've got it, but I, ha- I didn't get a chance because of all the Halloween stuff yesterday. But I'm gonna pr- I'm gonna watch it today and probably give you. I know awesome. we're gonna do like a double review or something, aren't we? Or we'll have to we'll have to figure something out. It may just get spaced out. We'll still do a Quiet Place. That's still gonna be on the docket. Uh, I I think we'll we'll do, we'll um, we'll stick with Cabin in the Woods because Netflix hasn't shipped me the disc yet. So God knows the postal service is busy this week. We'll I have see no what. Idea why. Uh, all those ballast well, we'll, for Platt Balaz. That's what it is. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So let's, um, let's run with Cabin in the Woods this week. Ray, if you've got time and you want to write a few paragraphs about Cabin in the Woods and give it a ranking out of five, you get it to me by Wednesday and it'll get posted as part of the Nerd Review, man. It's good times. We have a lot of fun with it. Or Flash, so, Gordon. Or Flash Gordon, Ray. You still can do that. Now, he, he's got to buy Flash Gordon. We're not going to make him buy Flash Gordon. I'm going to buy it for you. I'm Especially now since I didn't pick Earboard Thon. I'm picking Flash. I'm buying Flash for you, sir. Goodbye, Flash Man, I, there is a lot being put on this bad movie. <laughs> um, anyway... <laughs> And I love it. I gave it a five out of five. It is not fine cinema. As always this week, uh, Patrick O'Dowd does have a question. I have a tradition Halloween weekend that we bust out. Some, we, we, I'm a movie guy. And I have one of the greatest bad movies of all time that I pull out for Halloween. It's a Broadway. Um, it's a filming of a Broadway stage production of the musical Jekyll and Hyde starring David Hasselhoff. Oh man. It's automatically, it's it's automatically epic. It is so awful and yet beautiful at the same time. It is the guiltiest of guilty pleasures that I watch during the Halloween season. And I might watch it just because my wife hates it so much that it drives her out of rooms. Like, I might do that. I'm not saying that's exactly what happens, but it's kind of what happens. And then I post it on Facebook that I'm watching it, and I tag my wife in it so that then she feels obligated to comment about it, which then allows me to put videos of David Hasselhoff singing various parts of this musical. Like, there's a literal scene where 
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the personas, are like battling each other in song. And so the Hoff has to like sing his Dr. Jekyll and then he bends over and throws his hair over his face to sing his Mr. Hyde and then he throws it back. And it's hideous and it's stupid and I love it. And my question to you you three gentlemen, what are your best bad Halloween movies? Can I pick that? That sounds... sounds You have not seen that movie. I will also follow that up by saying that I checked out Hubie Halloween on Netflix this week as well. The the Adam Sandler Netflix movie that was a low bar expectation and it easily hurdled the low bar I set for it. Picture the water boy, but Halloween. That's basically all it is. Bad Halloween movies. Uh. I, I'll, 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 I'll talk while these two think about go it. Ahead, and I'll PC. go real quick here. I, I, I don't necessarily have any bad Halloween movies. <clears throat> I, I do love the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And I did embark on something I didn't quite complete, which was the 15 day run up to Halloween where I was watching two tree house of horror episodes a day and life just got in the way. I, I did end up watching most of them. And I know uh tree house of horror 31 is on tonight. So to conclude your Halloween weekend, I suggest you check that out. Disney Plus has them put into their own collection. It's excellent. Every Treehouse of Horror is phenomenal. Uh, (laughs) I I, I had a great time going back and watching them. So I I don't have a bad one. But if you're looking to do something for next year, do the run-up on Halloween watching Treehouse of Horror. The Simpsons never disappoint. No beer and no TV make Homer something something. There you go crazy <laughs> don't mind if i do go ahead ray i, I don't have I, I wouldn't call it bad because i like the classics like i'm i love child's play i love the classics <laughs> i love Chucky. um yeah chucky's Chuck, Chuck fantastic and um goosebumps i watched that again it's always a fun especially with the kid what i did watch last night with my daughter as i have the beautifully green nails that she painted for me um, is the remake of The Witches on HBO Max. I watched that too. How was yeah. that? It's really good. It's fun. It's, I, I, like, I, I did my list. It's not... So it's it's more true to the book than the Jim Henson Studios version. Way less scary, in my opinion, than the Jim Henson Studios version. It's campy. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot more... I would, I would describe it as fun. Yeah, like, it's very fun. Like, if you go back and watch that Angelica Houston version, that thing is scary. Like, that movie's scary, and the puppetry is creepy, and the lighting is done. It is very, very frightening. Disturbing, even. And and Hathaway was good in it, though. And and Hathaway was really good. Um, I'll tell you, Spencer is a gem, as we all know. Yeah. Um, Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. That's my... The Tooch! Um, Yeah, that has to go with that. Um... I can't think of anything that would be considered bad. Um, do you consider Beetlejuice bad? No. No. Oh, shut the fuck no. up. So I'm saying, like, I can't think of that. Like, everything that's, I watch. Dave, Dave, come on. Now, I know you got to have something. Uh, well, I mean, as a child. Dave, of the- watches, Dave watches Ernest Scared Stupid. That's no, what That's no, what. You that I hey, the Ernest movies <laughs> always get a laugh out of me, sir. I'll tell you, there. as a child of the 80s, there was a movie <laughs> in 1980. That was called The Gates of Hell. I don't know if you guys <laughs> are, that. And they've changed the name to City of the Living Fucking Dead. Not, well, not the Living Fucking Dead. City of the Living Dead is what it's called now. This is 
it's it was scary in the 80s you watch it back now and it's just like this is kind of dumb you know it starts off with a priest hanging himself and this opens the gates of hell but like the one scene where you know what i'm talking about patrick right he's staring the priest is staring at the girl she vomits up everything from inside including her intestines that come out through her mouth and it's just like what the fuck is going on here it's so bad it's great it's that kind of a movie there you go that's that's, what i was looking for that's that's one that jumps to my (laughs) that one's right there if if I were going to throw one other one that is a it's considered a cult classic, but the reanimator movies yeah, uh, and dead alive, Peter Jackson dead alive, just do yourself a favor, find it and look it up. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Looks like we lost Ray a little early. Uh, no, I, mean, I just turned my camera off. I'm on my phone. Oh, I, had to text him. Uh, yeah. I was like, I'm worried that he's, he's sweating. He's sweating a little bit of that Raven Steelers game. That looks like that's going to be a good game, good finish. Tony is dripping in misery, biting on his nails as well. Means that there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. Thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to this week. Next week, when we come back, our one year anniversary show, we are going to wrap up the villain project with our top 10 D or Marvel villains. Marvel villains make mine Marvel. And I'm excited. We're I'm gonna see about getting a couple of other special guests on to just uh, talk for a little bit. Maybe we do like we did before, uh, cover some Mandalorian, and do like a little one year once around. Uh, if there's no other thoughts for the good of the order, then I think that's gonna do it for Bandwagon Nerds. Again, big thank you to PC Tony for jumping on the show and talking with us a little bit here and there. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Uh, now get yourself out of the basement. It's too dark because of daylight savings time to get some fucking sun here on the East Coast. (laughs) So dwell in darkness and go check out some good DC villain comics. There's tons of them out there. We love you. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. You diseased maniac. Do you really think you could hide it from me by encasing it in lead? I'll mold this box into your prison bars. Don't touch that. I told you. That's kryptonite, Superman. Little souvenir from the old hometown. I've spared no expense to make you feel right at home. great in your day, Superman. But it just stands to reason. When it came time to cash in your chips, it's old. Diseased maniac.
would be your banker. Mind over muscle. Hi. You know, I don't want there to be any hard feelings between us, Harvey. When you and uh, Ra Rachel! Rachel were being abducted, I was sitting in Gordon's cage. Now, I, I didn't rig those charges. Your man, your plan. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. You know, I just do things. The mob has plans. The cops have plans. Gordon's got plans. You know, they're schemers. Schemers trying to control their little worlds. I'm not a schemer. I try to show the schemers how pathetic their attempts to control things really are. So, when I say, uh, come here, when I say that you and your girlfriend was nothing personal, you'll know that I'm telling the truth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.